1: Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for standing by. Welcome to Wheaton Precious Meadows 2020 third quarter results conference call. All lines have been placed on mute to prevent any background noise. After the speaker's remarks, there will be a question and answer session. If you would like to ask a question during this time, simply press star, then the number one on your telephone keypad. If you would like to withdraw your question, press the pound key. Thank you. I would like to remind everyone that this conference call is being recorded on Tuesday, November the 10th, 2020, at 11 a.m. Eastern Time. I will now turn the conference over to Mr. Patrick Druin, Senior Vice President of Investor Relations. Please go ahead.
2: Thank you, Operator. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and thank you for participating in today's call. I'm joined today by Randy Smallwood, Wheaton Precious Metals Chief Executive Officer and President, Gary Brown, Senior Vice President and Chief Financial Officer and Haytham Hodale, Senior Vice President of Corporate Development. I'd like to bring to your attention that some of the commentary in today's call may contain forward-looking statements. There can be no assurances that forward-looking statements will prove to be accurate, as actual results and future events could differ materially from those anticipated in such statements. In addition to our financial results cautionary note regarding forward-looking statements, please refer to the section entitled Description of the Business Risk Factors in Wheaton's Annual Information Form and the Risk Identified under "Risks and Uncertainties in Management's discussion and analysis, both available on CDAR and in Wheaton's Form 40F and Wheaton's Form 6K, both available on EDGAR. These documents, together with the Q1 2020 MD&A, the Q3 2020 MD&A, and the press release from last night, set out the material assumptions and risk factors that could cause actual results to differ, including, among others, fluctuation in the price of commodities, impacts on Wheaton or mining operations from the... Uh, pan, uh, precious metals purchased as a result of the epidemic, including the COVID-19 pandemic, risks related to mining operations from which Wheaton purchases precious metals, the continued ability of Wheaton's counterparties to satisfy the obligations under precious metal purchase agreements, and the impact of any material changes in fact, law, or jurisprudence on the CRA settlement. It should be noted that all figures referred to on today's call are in U.S. dollars, unless otherwise noted. In addition, reference to Wheaton or Wheaton Precious Metals on this call include Wheaton Precious Metals Corp. and
3: or its wholly owned subsidiaries as applicable.
2: Now I'd like to turn the call over to Randy Smallwood, our President and Chief
3: Executive Officer. Thank you, Patrick, and good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for joining us today to discuss Wheaton's third quarter results of 2020. I hope everyone has been keeping healthy and safe since our last quarterly conference call. At Wheaton, our top priority remains the health and safety of our employees and the communities in which we operate. Now with regard to our third quarter results, I am very pleased to announce that Wheaton's high quality portfolio of assets generated nearly $230 million in operating cash flow in the third quarter alone, resulting in a record of over 555 million for the first nine months of 2020. And given Wheaton's unique dividend policy, this strong cash flow has resulted in a 20% increase in our dividend to be paid in the fourth quarter. In addition, we recently announced a listing on the London Stock Exchange that we hope will provide another point of entry and make it easier for new internationally-based shareholders to invest into Wheaton. We continue to focus on delivering value to all of our stakeholders. I will provide updates on Wheaton's response to COVID-19 after Gary discusses our third quarter results. So now I'd like to turn the call over to Gary Brown, Senior Vice President and Chief Financial Officer, who will
4: provide more details on our results. Gary. Thank you, Randy, and good morning, ladies and gentlemen. The company's precious metal interests produced 171,400 gold equivalent ounces in the third quarter of 2020, comprised of 91,800 ounces of gold, 6 million ounces of silver, and 5,400 ounces of palladium. This represents a 22% increase in production relative to the prior quarter, with the mines that were temporarily suspended due to COVID-19 in Q2 having returned to operation. Relative to the third quarter of the prior year, production decreased by 7%, with gold production decreasing 11%, due primarily to the expected mining of lower grade material at Salobo, while silver and palladium production was virtually unchanged. Gold equivalent sales volumes increased by 2% relative to the third quarter of 2019 to 157,500 ounces, with sales volumes in the comparable quarter of the prior year reflecting a buildup in ounces produced but not delivered. It is interesting to note that our GEO sales volume was 17% higher than that reported by any other streaming or royalty company in the quarter. As of September 30, 2020, ounces produced but not delivered, or PBND, amounted to approximately 124,000 gold equivalent payable ounces, representing approximately 2.2 months worth of payable production. This compares to an average PBND balance of approximately 140,000 gold equivalent ounces over the preceding four quarters, and it is possible that a buildup of PBND could occur in the future. Revenue for the third quarter of 2020 amounted to a record-setting $307 million, representing a 37% increase relative to Q3 2019, primarily due to a 35% increase in the average realized gold equivalent price. Of this revenue, 56% was attributable to gold sales, 40% to silver, and 4% to palladium. Again, it is worth noting that our revenue in Q3 2020 was 10% higher than any other streaming or royalty company. Gross margins of the third quarter of 2020 increased 85% to $177 million, highlighting the leverage our business model provides to increases in precious metal prices. Cash-based G&A expenses amounted to $20 million in the third quarter of 2020, representing an increase of $7 million from Q3 2019, with the increase being primarily related to higher accrued costs associated with the Performance Share Units, or PSUs, and higher charitable donations with the company donating $1 million during Q3 2020 relative to the previously announced $5 million Community Support and Response Fund related to the COVID-19 pandemic. Interest costs for the third quarter of 2020 amounted to $2 million, resulting in an effective interest rate on outstanding debt of 1.24%, as compared to $11 million of interest costs At an effective interest rate of 4.02% incurred in Q3 2019 with the average outstanding debt balance decreasing by over 45%. Net earnings amounted to $150 million in the third quarter of 2020 compared to $76 million in Q3 2019. Basic adjusted earnings per share increased 113% to $0.34 compared to $0.16 per share in the prior year. Operating cash flow for the third quarter of 2020 amounted to $228 million, or 51 cents per share, compared to $142 million, or 32 cents per share, in the prior year, representing a 59% increase on a per-share basis. Although this level of operating cash flow did not represent a record for the company, it was 7% higher than any other streaming or royalty company generated in the quarter. Based on the company's dividend policy, the company's board has declared a dividend of $0.12 a share payable to shareholders of record on November 25, 2020. This represents a 20% increase relative to the dividend paid in the prior quarter and highlights how shareholders participate directly and efficiently in any precious metal pricing rally under our unique dividend policy. Under the Dividend Reinvestment Plan, the Board has elected to offer shareholders the option of having their dividends reinvested in newly issued common shares of the company at a 1% discount to market. For 2020, the company continues to estimate that non-stock-based G&A expenses, which exclude expenses relating to the value of stock options and TSUs, will amount to $40 to $43 million for 2020. During the third quarter of 2020, the company repaid $153 million on the revolving facility, dispersed $37 million in dividends, and invested $11 million in long-term investments, with these cash outflows being partially offset by proceeds from the sale of various equity instruments totaling $49 million and the exercise of stock options in the amount of $3 million. Overall, net cash increased by $78 million in Q3 2020, resulting in cash and cash equivalents at September 30th of $210 million. This, combined with the $488 million outstanding under the revolving facility, resulted in a net debt position as at September 30th of only $278 million. As such, the company is well positioned to satisfy its funding commitments and sustain its dividend policy while at the same time having the flexibility to consummate additional accretive precious metal purchase agreements. In summary, our high-quality portfolio of streaming assets not only helped Wheaton set new records in Q3 2020, they generated the highest GEO sales volume, revenue, and operating cash flow of any streaming or royalty company in the world, leading to a 20% increase in its dividend and positioning the company extremely well to reap the benefits of any continuation of the rally in precious metal prices, as well as to execute on its accretive growth strategy. With that, I will turn the call back over to Randy.
3: Thank you, Gary. The company continues to keep up-to-date on developments surrounding COVID-19 and has taken steps to protect the health and safety of our employees and the community, as well as measures to minimize any impacts to our business. I will now provide a general update on our guidance, corporate development activities, and community initiatives. We are pleased that all of our mining partners' operations that were temporarily suspended due to COVID-19 have resumed operations. Production in the third quarter rebounded strongly following the temporary suspensions in the prior quarter and the company is on track to meet the higher end of our guidance. As a reminder, on a gold-equivalent basis, we expect to produce between 655,000 to 685,000 gold-equivalent ounces in 2020. Wheaton's long-term production forecast remains unchanged at 750,000 gold-equivalent ounces per year on average between 2020 and 2024. On the corporate development front, we continue to remain very active. Subsequent to the quarter, we announced that we had finalized the previously announced precious metal stream with Caldas Gold to purchase 6.5% of the gold production and 100% of the silver production from the Marmato project located in Colombia. We are excited to partner with Caldus in advancing this project, and we are very encouraged by the continued strong exploration success. We remain unwavering in our focus on delivering the highest quality portfolio of precious metals production to our shareholders through our top tier asset base, strong organic growth profile and acquisition of accretive growth opportunities such as Marmato. At Wheaton our success is not only measured in terms of financial results and accretive acquisitions but also in our ability to make a positive difference. In that regard, earlier in this year, we established a dedicated U.S. $5 million fund to help address the impacts of COVID-19, more than doubling our budget for community support. We have now deployed approximately $3 million of those dollars of our COVID-19 response fund to support various programs globally. The majority of these funds are dedicated to the communities around our mining partners' operations, and not only help to alleviate the near-term impacts of the pandemic, but also leave positive, sustainable benefits. In Brazil, in Mexico, and in Peru, the fund has helped to provide food security, medical services and supplies, such as an ambulance and ventilators and economic opportunities for those in need. Specifically in Brazil, we have funded the production of face masks to help reduce the spread of COVID-19 while supporting local female entrepreneurs. We continue to work with our partners to identify additional programs that support their COVID-19 relief efforts. Now, more than ever, we must come together to help support our communities and make a positive impact, and we continue to urge our peers in the streaming space to follow our lead in this regard. In summary, despite the temporary shutdowns of some operations, the first nine months of 2020 has resulted in record revenue and cash flow, and the second increase to our dividend this year. Not only that, but we remain optimistic that we will be able to continue growing the company and add additional production from long-life assets producing in the lowest half of their respective cost curves. And with our recent listing on the Nunland Stock Exchange, we are excited that a new audience now has the opportunity to invest in Wheaton and we believe our business model offers UK investors a new and appealing opportunity to gain exposure to precious metals through a streaming company of Wheaton scale. Given the bullish precious metals markets, the strength of our business model, and our high-quality portfolio of assets, we remain confident that we can continue to create sustainable value for all of our stakeholders and continue to be leaders in the streaming and royalty space. So with that, I would like to open up the call for questions. Operator?
1: Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, we will now conduct the question and answer session. If you would like to ask a question, please press star, then the number one on your telephone keypad. If you would like to withdraw your question, press the pound key. There will be a brief pause while we compile the Q&A roster. And your first question here comes from the line of Ralph Profitti from 8 Capital. Please go ahead. Your line is now open.
5: Hi there. Uh, good hey morning, Ralph. everyone. Good morning. Thank you for taking my questions, Randy. Um, Randy, in your commentary and in the md you talked about the, the comfort with the higher end uh, of guidance for 2020. Where are you feeling most confident in terms of the operations? Uh, I think it's been well telegraphed that Penasquito, Strong quarter over quarter, and, and Q4 is going to be their strongest. Is that the primary source? Or are you feeling greater comfort in some of the other operations, and if so, which ones?
3: Well, Penescito is definitely seeing the best grades, uh, and can, continues to you know surprise to that side. And on top of that, Newmont's doing great, uh, great work there with respect to uh, recoveries and, and throughput. And so it's you know it's this combination of uh, Penescito probably is the is the uh, the strongest uh, within within the group itself. Um, but we are seeing strength in every asset. And I think, I think where where the comfort is coming from is actually the fact that everyone rebounded from the suspension so rapidly. Um, you know, good, strong production numbers. And we had, when we originally came up with the revised guidance, we had felt that uh, that the combination of the uh, higher absenteeism and, and, and a restart of the operations that were suspended was going to slow things down a bit. But it, uh, it, it really appears that uh, our operators had... Uh, had put a lot of, you know, um, put a lot of effort into making sure that when the restart happened, it happened uh, strong and, and, and relatively well. So, so yeah, um, you know, I think across the board, it was, it was Penasquito performing a, a bit on grades and recoveries and, uh, and then overall, just all of the operations that uh, the impacts on, on, you know, from the pandemic have, they've just rebounded uh, in a stronger sense all the way across the board.
5: Great. Yeah. Good answer. I appreciate that. and. Um as an industry, we've seen a lot of uh, dividend increases, right? And it's becoming sort of, uh, you know, a little bit more competitive in terms of one-upmanship. Uh, and and in the context of the London listing and the new source of capital, how are you feeling in particular about that 30% ratio, right? It's been in place for a couple of years. Uh, you know, could you go higher? Would you go higher? Uh, your thoughts on that would be appreciated.
3: Oh, we will go higher. It's just a matter of timing. Um, you know, we, uh, we of course, have very, very strong cash flows and good, strong organic growth in the portfolio, and so we have a choice. Uh, you know, we, we fund our dividend, but the rest of it goes back into the ground. Now, um, you know, if we don't make any further investments, uh, our debt should disappear by the first quarter of next year, and we start building up a war chest to, uh, to put back into the ground. But if that war chest gets too big, we will be increasing the dividend to feed it back. And so... As I, as I like to say, our, our first objective is to you know, pay, pay a good, strong, healthy dividend like we are right now, but continue growing the company. But if, if we don't see the right opportunity to put the money back into the ground, then we return it to our shareholders, and the dividend will grow. So it's, it's, I think it's a matter of time. As our company grows, as, as the organic growth that we've got scheduled over the next um, five to ten years comes into fruition, um, uh, you know, I, I can't see... It's going to get tougher and tougher for us to invest all of that cash flow back into the ground, which means that the dividend will grow. But you know, the the real advantage of of our dividend mechanism is the fact that it is directly linked to our cash flows, and of course, our cash flows are directly linked to commodity prices. And so, so the shareholders are actually reaping a benefit beyond you know the increase in share price uh, with these higher precious metal prices that we see. And so, it's a it's a good strong system that. Uh, you know, we do average it over the previous four quarters, so it doesn't take much to understand that there's there's still upward pressure on this dividend, even for the next quarter. And the quarter after that, as, as long as prices stay up where we are right now, uh, it's going to continue uh, uh, growing it on a per-share basis.
5: Great. Well said, Randy. Thank you.
3: Thank you, Ralph.
1: Once again, ladies and gentlemen, if you'd like to ask a question, please press star followed by the number one on your telephone keypad. Your next question comes from the line of Cosmos 2 with CIBC. Please go ahead. Your line is now open.
0: Hi. Thanks, uh, Randy, Gary, Hatham, and Patrick. And uh, thanks for taking my questions here.
6: Um, Cos- uh, maybe always a pleasure. Talk-
0: thanks, Randy. Um, maybe my first question here is on... Um, you know, the ounces produced and not yet delivered. Um, you know, clearly 2020 was an unusual year with COVID-19, but in the past, you know, in Q4, you know, there would usually a big be a big drawdown in terms of inventory, and then it would result in higher sales than production for Q4 for wheat and precious metals. Maybe it's too early to tell at this point in time, but should we expect that once again in year
4: 2020? Uh Hi Cosmos. It's Gary. Hi, uh, Gary. You know, it's it's very difficult to uh predict. Um you know, we had I think uh, expected uh, that the P B and D balance would have uh, been higher at the end of Q three than it than it uh ended up being. Um so you know our partners were uh, doing a very good job of uh keeping uh you know concentrate and uh, dore uh uh flowing um, and uh we we generally do anticipate that uh you know uh mining companies uh in general will will try to uh minimize the amount of uh um unsold concentrate and Doré that they have at year end uh and um so you know uh we're not anticipating a, a significant uh, build up in uh in Q4 uh but you know if you look uh, over the uh past few years you know there have been uh, um, uh there there have been surprises uh in that regard and uh so mm-hmm. you know it's hard to uh to anticipate i would highlight that you know um, if there was a build up uh, that you know that that translates into sales uh the next quarter, so it 's not like a, a long term issue it 's a very short term uh, issue it 's just very difficult to uh, to predict
0: mm-hmm.
4: of course
0: um maybe switching gears a little bit. Uh, I was reading your m d and uh, I guess as you mentioned, uh, barrack at Pasqualama in Q three they elected not to exercise the option to cancel the the stream, the P M P A. Um, could you remind us, you know, is this their last sort of opportunity to cancel that? And on that, you know, is this the outcome that you had expected and preferred? Um, could you maybe comment on that?
3: Cosmos, yeah, uh, you, you had that backwards. It was it was us that had the opportunity to cancel the stream. Oh, oh
0: okay. okay.
3: Yeah. Yeah, so uh, I think they would have cancelled it a long time ago, actually.
0: Yeah.
3: <laughs> um, <laughs> no, The uh, uh, it was us, we had the opportunity. So the way that the deal was structured was a- up to a certain point. We could uh, ask for the remainder of our money back, mm. uh, and so that point was essentially the end of September, um, and uh, we're still believers in the project. We think that, uh, you know, we did receive a substantial amount of compensation silver back from barrack already. so. Although we invested six hundred and twenty five million dollars into the project originally we're i think we 're only about two hundred and fifty five million into it right now uh, because of the compensation silver from the other mines in South America but that has ended and um, and for two hundred and fifty five million dollars uh, we feel that pasqualama the the twenty five percent of the silver on on pasqualama we think it 's worth more than that we think it 's a we we are still a believer in the project. It definitely has its challenges, uh, but we uh, we know that uh, Barrick is is working on it to try and and, and find the way around the challenges and uh, work with the community. And we we do think it's a project that will deliver strong, sustainable benefits to uh, both Chile and Argentina at some time in the future, and to Barrick shareholders sometime in the future. And uh, and uh, we're going to be uh, patient and wait for that. So it was our choice to do that, and we chose. Uh, not to uh, take the refund and to stay uh, invested in the hmm
6: And
0: that Pasqualama number, that's not included in your 750,000 ounces that you're projecting in terms of geo ounces, right? Yeah,
3: Definitely not. No, I, uh, that's, uh, that's 150,000 ounces is for the next five years, including 2020. I think it's important to highlight that uh, you know, if we're going to maintain that, and if you look at our 2020 production, that means that the next four years will average about 770,000 gold equivalent ounces. Uh, there is no Pasqualama in there. There is no Rosemont in there. There is no Navidad in there. Uh, it's it's only projects that are on schedule. And in fact, I would I would say we've taken a pretty conservative approach on Solobo in that forecast, also. So there's. Uh, we're, we're waiting for the updated mining plan from Valet, expected sometime next year. So we think there's definitely some upside in that 770000 over the next four years.
0: For sure. Um, maybe, you know, quickly on Constancia, as you as you mentioned, you know, Pempa Concha was delayed in 2020 as a result. You know, you were able to receive additional, you know, about 8,000 ounces in a year. Um, now, you know, it seems like they're on track for uh, startup early 2021. Um, not saying it's going to happen, but could you remind us, you know, if there's further delays, is there any kind of uh, other sort of ounces that you'll receive uh, in compensation, or was the 8,000 ounces pretty much it? Uh,
3: the um, the the we we did give them an extension because of uh, they've had pandemic uh, you know impacts down in Peru with respect to government agencies in terms of giving approval. On a go forward basis and so, so we did give them an extension through to the end of June uh, next year and at that point uh, we get to sort of refresh and look at uh, look at the, uh, the stream itself whether we decide to adjust the stream or go forward you know uh, Hud Bay has been doing a great job in this thing moving it forward and, uh, and we're a supportive partner of theirs so uh, you know we will work with them to make sure that it comes to to a satisfactory arrangement but I'm uh, I'm very confident that they'll have it up and running before the end of June.
0: Mm-hmm. Great, thanks a lot. Uh, once again, those are all the questions I have. Uh, thanks for answering my questions.
6: Thank you, Cosmos.
1: Your next question comes from the line of John Tumazos from John Tumazos Ferry Independent Research. Please go ahead. Your line is now open.
6: Thank you for taking my question. I noticed. Always a pleasure, John. I noticed some of the mine operating companies that have a lot more operating risk have raised their dividend many times by large percentages. Um, could you tell us a little bit more about the philosophy in the 20% dividend hike? You're financially strong enough to raise the dividend a little more. Are you going slow and gradual because you don't want to – raise it too quickly or cut it too quickly or are you just putting a priority on repaying your debt and accumulating money for the Rosemont payment the third Salomo payment and your other reinvestments
3: Um, I would actually say it's uh, um, it's it's, uh, we're still confident that we have some new opportunities we'll be able to bring into the portfolio we're very active on the corporate development front John Uh, we've got lots of uh, lots in fact i would i would almost argue that we're as busy as we've ever been on that front and so we're hopeful that we can actually add a few new uh, assets to the portfolio over the next few months um the uh, you know so it's it's basically building up that capital but but you know i have no doubt we will eventually grow into a yield more yield focused company that dividend as a percentage overall will grow um you know i think it's important to sort of again highlight the fact that The 30% was was scheduled as per our formula, so it was predictable. Uh, I think everyone, or sorry, the the 20% increase that we've just had, uh, it was scheduled. You could sit and look at it and and you know that we average it on our cash flows over the previous four quarters. Um, I'm pretty confident that, you know, of course, depending on how precious metal prices do over the next three months or the, the remainder of this quarter. Um, there's going to be upward pressure the next, uh, next quarter, too, for the, uh, for the next round of dividends. We establish a basement or a floor price every year that we won't drop below for the course of the year, and then we use 30% as a reference. Now, I can tell you that if we, if we don't put money back into the ground, then, it, then the dividend will grow. Um, but you know as of right now we still have a bit of net debt that will disappear in the first quarter we'll probably build up a little bit of a war chest if we don't put it back in the ground and then uh, and then uh, we won't let it get to be too big of a war chest because we're not really believers in money we (laughs) we'd rather have it in ounces in the ground than cash in the in the bank and so uh, so that's the point that we'll turn it around and put it back into a dividend if we uh, if if the war chest gets too big
6: Randy naturally we as outsiders can't see the uh, evaluation project flow that you have, uh, but uh, do you think that the likelihood is that there's a $500 million or $1 billion large project on the horizon in the next year or two?
3: Um, you know what? Hatham's uh, on the line here. I'm going to let him answer that one. He's, uh, he he leads our what corporate development. The
6: pretty girls you're romancing, Hatham.
1: <laughs>
7: Good morning, John, how are you? Uh, Good, just thanks. to give you a bit of an idea, John, we, we, as Randy mentioned earlier, we've been incredibly and pleasantly busy. I guess we've got lots of new opportunities we're looking at. The majority of them fall into the sub-500 million category and those are primarily development stage opportunities that fit into our, our early deposit structure as well as expansion opportunities. But we are seeing uh, still some large billion dollar deals out there. There's at least a couple out there that, you know, they take time to come to fruition, but. Know, they're there there's also been some royalty packages which uh, really don't make sense from a wheaton perspective mostly because they they come with a significant amount of non-precious metals but yeah there's uh john as randy mentioned earlier i don't think we've been this busy in a long time we're you know i've been saying that for probably the last three quarters and it pleasantly it keeps going
6: how much capacity does the project team have to go to sites and uh rigorously evaluate in the COVID world as long as it lasts. Can you look at, can you physically do due diligence on one project a week or one project a month or how tough is it? Sure, actually, great
7: question. Uh, The pandemic has not really affected our ability to advance streaming due diligence and consummate transactions. We're constantly looking at and evaluating new opportunities. And we've completed four site visits in the last month alone. Uh, some Two of those were with external consultants and two of those was, were with our team specifically. Um, you know, and uh, one of the reasons I'm actually doing this via telephone rather than in the office is I'm actually in a two-week quarantine period because I just got back from one of those site visits myself. So, you know, we're still very, very active. We've probably got at least another uh, three site visits in the next month and a half scheduled alone and they may be using Wheaton employees, they may be using consultants we can rely on but you know we're definitely still very very active
3: John every every jurisdiction is different in terms of how we manage that and so uh, it all comes down to minimizing the risk and uh, and being confident in terms of what we're uh, investing into or what we're looking at and so so uh, there's a balancing act with respect to every asset that we look at thank you thank you John
1: your next question comes from the line of Jackie Pzolowski from BMO Capital Markets. Please go ahead. Your line is now open. Oh
8: sure thanks thanks
1: very much. Uh, good
8: morning, everyone. Um, I, I guess just to follow up on John's question, um, you know he's asking about the pipeline of deals you're seeing. Can you maybe give us a, an indication are these deals of meaningful size? Are you talking about deals um, that would be sort of three hundred five hundred million? In an upfront payment, or has that changed to deals that are smaller? Is there any color you can give in terms of that um, that distinction? Hey, Tim, I'll hand it over to you again.
7: Yeah, you bet. Hey, Jackie, how are you? Um, yeah, no, listen, Jackie. There's there's a whole array of deals. They they range anywhere from you know one to two hundred million, all the way up to seven hundred to a billion. So there's there's quite a few. The majority of them are, I would say, between the three hundred and and 400 million dollar range, or 200 and 400 billion. That's probably a better range. So we're we're definitely still looking at a lot of opportunities out there.
8: Thanks very much. And and just switching gears to uh, to your MDNA, you talked about Boise's Bay. Uh, you're you scheduled to start receiving cobalt from that mine. Uh, I guess in a couple of months now, it's hard to believe 2021 is almost here. Um, in in the MDNA, you you talked about. Uh, the pace uh, of implementation uh, at the underground project is being slowed because of COVID. Does that affect the deliveries of cobalt that you are expecting? Is there any potential for delays uh, to that yeah. delivery? Thanks.
6: No,
3: it's um, you know the the beauty of the mine is essentially it's transitioning from open pit to underground, but they still have uh, several years of open pit reserves in front of them, and uh, and it was always going to be a gradual transition. Um, if anything, they did suspend operations in two thousand and twenty and a year that I think we 're all going to be very happy to see behind us um, but uh, they they did suspend uh, production up at Vos Bay uh, during two thousand and twenty which which in fact pushed some of the uh, stuff that would have been mined in two thousand and twenty into our streaming period, which starts in two thousand and twenty one so there 's a slight advantage we 've had uh, probably a bit more uh, Open pit reserves that'll that'll keep the mill uh, full and, and processing, and so we we don't expect any uh, change in the production profile. It's just uh, uh, they'll be sourcing from the open pit as they as they get the underground up. It, it, it was always planned uh, as being a, a very trans, you know a phased transition uh, over a number of years, and, and they've always got the backup of, of some of the uh, uh, open pit mineable material available to keep make sure that the mill stays full.
8: Okay, that's really helpful.
1: Uh, thanks very much. That's, that's all my questions, thanks. Thank you, Jackie. Thank you. Your next question comes from the line of Charles Gibson from Edison. Please go ahead, your line is now open.
9: Hello, good morning, and uh, if I may, congratulations on an excellent quarter, Randy. Um, I wonder if Thank I you could me. ask, not at all. Uh, I wonder if I could ask just about Mamato uh, quickly. I see, and congratulations again on, on closing that deal. I saw it was backdated to the 1st of July. Um, There's no sign of it having contributed in the third quarter, and I just wonder what that means in terms of the accounting, if you like. I suppose this might be a question for Gary going going forwards. When it comes to the fourth quarter results, are you going to have two quarters of Mamato in the fourth quarter, or are you going to restate the third quarter, or just how are you going to treat that?
4: Yeah, good question, uh, Charles. You know, there's still some conditions uh, that need to be satisfied here in order to, uh, you know, cross the barrel head with uh, silver, so to speak. Um, And uh, and so assuming that those conditions are satisfied in Q4, we would uh, um, report the production uh, uh, from July uh, uh, in Q4. We, uh, and and any sales that would uh, result would uh, would be attributed to uh, to Q4 as well. Okay that
9: that makes perfect sense. Thank you. Can I ask just a follow-up question which
4: is nothing to do with that of
9: course, but I just noticed for the last uh, couple of quarters Minto has been contributing to production but not to sales and I just wonder if you could give us an idea of when you think Minto might start contributing to sales.
4: Yeah, uh, you know, we uh, would expect that uh, the, that production will be uh, converted to sales, um, you know, in, in Q4. It's, okay. uh, it,
3: it, it, it was a recent startup, and, uh, and they're moving materials out, and uh, it's new operators that are in there, and so we're, uh, we're uh, working our way through that process. But we'll have it all uh, uh, cleaned up by the,
9: uh, by the fourth quarter. Excellent. All right. Look forward to that. Thank you very much indeed. That's everything from me. Congratulations again. Thanks, Charles. One more call, please, operator.
1: Certainly. Your next question comes from a line of Brian MacArthur from Raymond James. Please go ahead. Your line is now open.
7: Uh, good morning um the other thing you mentioned in the mdna is just the delay at blitz can you just go through how you see that sort of evolving with the uh, feed the mill and then
3: h- how that looks in your five year versus what it looked before uh well it's uh, i mean originally it was scheduled out uh, to be coming into and, and it is a gradual gain and so it's not like they're turning on a switch or something like that they're just increasing the number of working faces in, in both Blitz and uh, and in the East Boulder operation, so it's it's going on at both sites. Blitz is sort of the the more headline project, but um, you know one of the challenges, and we've actually seen this. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm surprised it actually doesn't get talked about a bit more in the industry. But the the biggest impact in terms of uh, the new measures that we have to sort of minimize risk on pandemics seems to be the underground operations, and the time it takes to safely move everyone to the face to uh, get the work done, and, and, and at the end of the shift, back away from the face. Productivity in underground mines is, has definitely been impacted by uh, by the pandemic response and by you know, the efforts to minimize risk. And I think that's what's catching uh, Stillwater as a whole, is that uh, they're seeing higher absenteeism rates like a lot of mines, um, but they're also, because they're entirely underground, also dealing with... Uh, uh, extra or lower productivity on a per man shift basis because of the extra efforts that are required to minimize risk, and and we don't. It's not just a stillwater problem. It is. We've seen it in all of our underground operations. It it seems to be an impact that's having, uh, uh, you know, an uh, impact on productivity, and so so all of that sort of spills over into challenges on the blitz because, you know, um, the blitz being an expansion project, and uh, you know their their efforts are to you know first first priority is to you know, maintain current levels of production, and the expansion is sort of uh, is what's required after that. And so their new guidance came out to believe it's two years now before they expect to be up to that full level. Um, you know, of course, the original they they had already uh, um, delayed that expected completion date, uh, uh, but the original date would have been uh, in 2021 was when they were first expecting it to be up and running, and so uh, at, at the full levels. So it'll be a gradual increase over time. They continue to work on that, and, I, and, I, and I, I'm hopeful that the industry does, you know, find ways to address these productivity issues that we're seeing because uh, it, it's a broader industry uh, impact as a result of this pandemic, and uh, and uh, you know uh, we have to have to find some way to get to work around that at the same time minimizing risk, of course.
1: Great, thanks very much, Randy.
3: Thank you, uh, thank you, Brian, and, and um, thank you, everyone, for dialing in today. In closing, we believe Wheaton is well-positioned to continue delivering value to our shareholders for a number of different reasons. Firstly, by having low and predictable costs that result in some of the highest margins in the entire precious metal space and sector-leading operating cash flows. Secondly, through our steady organic growth profile and proven track record of accretive quality acquisitions, Thirdly, by offering our shareholders exposure to some of the highest quality mines in the world through our portfolio of long-life, low-cost assets. And lastly, by being a leader amongst precious metal streamers in sustainability through initiatives such as the CSR Fund and supporting our partners and the communities in which we live and operate. I do look forward to speaking with you all again soon. Stay healthy. Stay safe. Thank you.
1: And ladies and gentlemen, this concludes this conference call for today. Thank you for participating. Please disconnect your lines.
0: Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.